This is Crypto Radio, powered by MoneyWeb, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Economist Davi Ruet of the Efficient Group has been outspoken in his views on cryptocurrencies and the effect they are likely to have on banks and the entire financial system. At a presentation last year, he said, quote, we are going to see the end of banks, at least the way we understand banks, soon. And once there are no more banks, there'll be no more central banks, and that will make it far more difficult for transactions between people to be taxed. Davi, that kind of comment must make you very popular with the guys at the Reserve Bank. Have you been invited to their Christmas party? <laughs> well, actually, the South African Reserve Bank is really up there, and they're trying to stay sort of up to date with new developments. Now, and they have a specific division, especially for these sort of things, and they're trying to create what we call a sandpit, where everybody can get the opportunity to come and play in the sandpit, with all the various regulators sitting around the sandpit and just uh, sandpit to see what we are doing. So, I think the South African Reserve Bank is trying to at least to stay up to date with new developments. All right, so maybe just explain why you see such a dim future for banks and the fact that you said that they won't be able to tax once people start adopting these cryptocurrencies and private coins and private monies. It's going to make it much harder for tax authorities to keep control of this, right? Yeah, indeed. Well, the tax part is very easy to understand because uh, the so-called cryptocurrencies, and I prefer to call it private monies, or maybe one should actually call it something else, not even money, you should call it information. Uh, but uh, the reason why it's going to be so much more difficult to tax people in the future is because of technology, making it easier for people to hide their identity, and also to making it easier for people to hide the fact that they have money. And you can simply compare that to cash. If I have a lot of cash in my pocket, and I do a transaction around the corner somewhere, with you, it's very difficult for the authorities to actually tax that specific transaction because it happens with cash. And that is what so-called crypto money is. It is basically cash, but it is in an encrypted or an electronic format uh, with all the characteristics or many of the characteristics that one would find with, with physical cash as well. So that's the, the tax part and why it's so difficult to tax it because it's pretty much the same as tax. Or, um, or it's pretty much the same as, as cash. On the, the banking side, the reason why we're going to see a change, and already we are seeing a, a massive change in the way that we're doing transactions, because of the, the nature of this crypto money, which you can encrypt, first of all, is why it's called crypto money. But not only that, but because of the nature of the technology. The nature of the technology is such, the blockchain technology as an example, is that in a current system in which we find ourselves, we've got a central authority, the South African Reserve Bank, and basically everything goes through the South African Reserve Bank. If you touch money somewhere, except for um, perhaps physical cash, but if you uh, touch money somewhere, uh, then the banks will have to validate that transaction and the South African Reserve Bank stands between the banks, so to speak. But if you use make use of private money, so so-called crypto monies, then you don't need a central authority and individuals can actually transact between one another uh, or various uh, organizations can transact with one another without the Reserve Bank even knowing that. And, and that inevitably means that the central bank will lose a lot of its power and monetary policy will be completely different or set completely different in future. And taxes, of course, will be much more difficult and things like that. So I think the main point here is because of the nature of the, this technology, we are likely to see quite dramatic changes in the way that we do business. I mean, if you were a government or you were a, cent- a reserve bank governor at this point in time and looking at this technology that we're talking about, are we looking at more or less financial and personal autonomy for citizens? And would you be worried about that? 
if you were a governor? Well, yeah, I think there are two answers to that. The one is that this technology, just look what's happening in China, for instance. And really, you know, we talk about money and we're talking about things like, for example, ownership and we talk about surveillance and all that. And in the end, all these sort of things are pretty much the same kind of thing. What is happening in China is that the Chinese government, for instance, they are really following individuals wherever they go with facial recognition technology and stuff like that. And they're also following transactions. So they can pretty much see everything that you are doing and they can follow these transactions despite this new technology uh, because of, that's that's a cultural thing I guess and it's part of the history of China and stuff like that but at the same time individuals can make use of this technology to hide from from the authority so I think what we're probably going to see is a clash between liberally minded individuals people that want to do their own thing without the interference of politicians and on the other side we're probably going to see the politicians or governments trying to use technology to do exactly the opposite and to force us to do certain things and to to follow us and to tax us and stuff like that so i think there's a clash coming basically uh, between let's call it the public and the authorities and i've got a suspicion that the public is probably going to win because they're always a step or so ahead of the authorities Oh, goodness. Okay. You've probably also seen there's a proposed amendment to the Reserve Bank Act, which would remove any private shareholders and place ownership in the hands of the state. Now, you've also commented that that sounds like a a move that will encourage a proliferation of private monies. You've already mentioned private monies like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Now, just explain why that would be. And is this kind of irrelevant at this point in time? We're talking about amending the Reserve Bank Act and placing ownership in the state. Is it irrelevant? It's not really irrelevant because there's a bit of a sting in the tail there. Well, it's irrelevant in in terms of of monetary policy, really, because monetary policy, the Reserve Bank is protected. The the Constitution protects the Reserve Bank in a way that they conduct monetary policy. And the Reserve Bank, and it doesn't matter who the owners of the Reserve Bank are, the Reserve Bank is supposed to be independent from the state. So if you change the ownership, theoretically nothing is supposed to happen. So why is it that politicians want to uh, have be the owners of the Reserve Bank. And I've got a suspicion it's got to do with some other things. They're trying to get a little bit closer to the Reserve Bank um, for various reasons. Remember, there are something like $50 billion worth of reserves at the Reserve Bank. There are certain contracts between the Reserve Bank and Treasury regarding Forex and all that sort of stuff. And I think the next step will be for politicians getting actually more involved uh, in the setting of monetary policy at the Reserve Bank. There were some politicians actually already mentioning things like they call it quality easing, which of course is completely the, the wrong word. Uh, but but suggesting that the Reserve Bank should be more supportive supportive of economic growth. So, so although it's not going to make a difference if they nationalise the Reserve Bank, really or not supposed to, that I believe is as, as a small step uh, to the next step, and the next step is per- perhaps more interference at the South African Reserve Bank in terms of monetary policy. Now you've also been involved in the development of crypto assets yourself, and uh, one of the coins that you've been looking at releasing or issuing is a stable coin. Maybe just explain what yeah. that is and and why stable coins are people are talking about it as the future of crypto. Yeah, maybe maybe we can talk a little bit about what is money, you know, the definition of money. Now, the, the traditionally money was, well, the definition of money is anything that is generally accepted as money, which doesn't really help us that much. But there are certain functions that money can fulfill, like it's a medium of exchange, it's a store of value, and you can use it to measure things like the price of something. So that is usually the role of money. But I believe that money can actually do more things like that. Money can be, well, at least the crypto money or this uh, this money that we're talking about, private money, so uh, crypto money. And that is actually nothing but information. 
And this information can tell you things like, for example, who's the owner of something. It can tell you that it gives you the right to exchange this piece of information for goods. In other words, as a medium of exchange and stuff like that. So I think it's possible in future for money to change its character. Uh, and the definitions that we have for money traditionally are probably outdated. But having said that, so money can all, or this information can also be information about your identity, but it can also be information about your right or your ownership about a car or a share or a pot of gold or whatever the case may be. So, so it, it's, it's proof, this information, that you're an owner of a pot of gold, but at the same time, you can use this information and exchange the, this information for something else, for a car, as an example. And then the nature of money changes from ownership to a medium of exchange. I hope that makes sense. So, and I think that is perhaps a part of the answer to what money is going to be like in future. Uh, I think money in future, we used to have a gold as money. So why not have money that represents ownership of something underlying, like a share, for example. And that's exactly what we're planning to do. We have listed a note on the JSE, which is a financial instrument. Why can't we issue ownership of this note by way of a so-called coin and because there's something supporting this coin it's called a stable coin and then you can actually invest now then it becomes information about investment or you can exchange this information and it becomes money it becomes something that you can exchange for a car as an example so a medium of exchange and that's indeed what we're planning to do eventually we want to issue a so-called stable coin which will represent your ownership in an investment on the JSE, as an example, or, you, or your ownership of a donkey. doesn't really matter what the underlying asset is. And that thing is then called a so-called stable coin because it's got something supporting it. Unlike, for example, the South African Rand, we don't have the gold standard anymore. And the gold standard simply means that we can issue money out of nothing, create money out of nothing. It's called fiat money. And I guess a stable coin can be compared to what we had previously in the form of the gold standard. It's interesting to note that crypto adoption in Africa has been exploding this year, in large part because Africans want to protect themselves against fiat currencies that are losing value fast. Now, are governments going to be able to regulate this unruly beast called the crypto market, or (laughs) has it taken on a governance of its own, do you think? Yeah, that's the idea. That's the exact idea is because nobody is in control of this. It's information. And remember, information flows. Information, you can send information as long as you've got a connection to somebody else, you can send information. I think there are a number of reasons why it's exploding in Africa particularly. Uh, one is that certainly people are losing uh, interest or, or trust in fiat currencies. And maybe just as, as a side note, the South African currency, the rand, for the past 40 years has lost more than 99% of its value. 99, 99% wow. of its value over the past 40 years. So, so certainly, I mean, that, that's not something you can trust. So it's no wonder then that people are looking for alternatives, like, for example, these private monies. But there are some other reasons as well. Another reason is that Africa is not that well banked, and you can make use of this. And it started off in East Africa, actually, where people started sending uh, airtime and they used that as money initially. And it's quite well established now in many places in Africa. So we don't have banks in all places in Africa. People still want to do transactions. So you simply use your clear your, your smartphone to send, send information from one individual to the other one. And it can either be information about the ownership of a piece of gold, or it can be information in the form of airtime. It doesn't really matter. You can use your 
smartphone and to pay uh, somebody else and, and in the process without actually having a bank account. And that's part of the reason why I say that banks, if I was a bank, I would have been very, very concerned about this. And that is also, by the way, why many banks are getting more and more involved in this, in this world of private money. Do you think that that's going to be a kind of restraint on central banks and governments as well? The fact that you have these private monies and people can actually at this point opt out of the Rand or the Quacha or the Zimbabwe yeah. dollar. Do you think that's going to act as a restraint or not? Is there eventually going to be a clash between these two types of money? Well, there are many countries in the world where it's actually banned. Crypto, Bitcoin, as an example, is banned in Russia. And I can tell you, <laughs> crypto is banned in Russia. And I've seen crypto to Russia and they send it or I've sent Bitcoin to Russia and they've sent it back to me. Of course, there's no crypto is not in a place. It's somewhere in the sky. It's, it's somewhere. It doesn't exist somewhere. It's information. So and I've sent it, I've sent it to people in Russia and they've sent it back to me. So clearly without a there is a ban on the use of Bitcoin in Russia, but still we can do that. So yes, politicians going to try to stop that. And they're going to try to stop that because they're losing control. Central banks certainly can potentially lose a lot of control over monetary policy in a country. So, and I, but I, I think it's a losing battle that they're fighting. I can't see how, how authorities will be able to, to win this war. I mean, they couldn't win the war against pornography because pornography basically is nothing but information. And I'm pretty sure that this private monies, uh, which is also information, will find a way through and the private sector will eventually win the specific fight. And in the process, uh, we're probably going to see governments being weakened quite substantially, maybe changes in political systems eventually. But there's something interesting, and some of the central banks are actually considering, and some of them, in fact, have already issued their own cryptocurrency. So it's possible that central banks, instead of fighting this, you can actually join the party and also issue your own cryptocurrencies. But there's a couple of, there's a, there's a catch or two in this, and that is if you uh, what central banks would want to do, they issue their own so-called cryptocurrency, but in the same time, that basically means that all individuals will have a bank account at your central bank. Uh, and central banks can basically follow all transactions on their blockchain, as an example. But that's that's one way for authorities to address this issue. And that is simply, why not join them? We're certainly not going to beat them. But isn't there a danger then that you fall into this trap of having no restraint or no cap on the issuance of new crypto money if uh, yeah, you've got the central always, bank? There's always this, this danger. It's part of history. We've seen it many, many times before. Uh, goldsmiths, for example, issuing a lot of IOUs saying they have a lot of gold in their vaults and people use these IOUs as money. And then one day somebody discovered there wasn't enough gold in the in the vaults and there was a run in the bank. And we've seen it plenty, plenty times before during the time of gold standard. There were many instances where there were the runs on the banks. And even today, there are runs on banks. We've seen it in South Africa even, where people run to the bank to say, listen, where's my money? Because the bank, bank has lent out my money. So there's, there's no guarantee that uh, that it won't happen again. But I think that due to the nature of the technology, uh, it's probably less likely for something like this to happen because of the decentralization of this technology where everybody is basically checking everybody else. But I guess it's always possible. It's happened in the past. It's probably going to happen in the future again. Interesting times ahead. That was economist Davi Root of The Efficient Group. Thank you, Davi. My pleasure.